I'm Jasmine Moulton. And I'm Franco Terrazano. And this is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. We're dedicated to lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. In Deep Dive, we'll be talking with our investigative journalist about the lack of transparency on Parliament Hill. In Waste Watch today, we'll have another story of Governor General Julie Payette taking taxpayers for a ride. But first, let's check in with Alberta Director Franco Terzano. Well, Jasmine, you know, if I had to guess what the most popular business in Canada is, I'd probably say something like, I don't know, Tim Hortons selling coffee and donuts. Well, it turns out that governments can't even make money selling those coffees and donuts. And we just saw a new report come from secondstreet.org that shows that governments are losing millions of dollars trying to sell coffee and donuts in their hospitals. Now, I sat down with Second Street's president, Colin Craig, who's also a former CTF director, to discuss the report. And here's what he had to say. So what we did is we filed information requests with uh, health authorities across Canada to look into their cafeterias and restaurants that are in hospitals, the ones that governments run that sell food and drinks to the public. And what we found was that they lost over $12 million over a two-year period. And keep in mind that there were certainly a number of health authorities that didn't even respond with proper data. So we expect that number's actually a low-balled figure. This is a crazy story, especially now, because we have governments across the country running massive deficits and trying to deal with COVID-19, which means that every single dollar that government cafeterias lose is a dollar that won't go into healthcare and that taxpayers will eventually have to repay. So how much are these money-losing cafeterias actually costing taxpayers, Franco? Well, in 2017 and 2018, these government-ran Hospital cafeterias lost over $12 million. Now, that might not seem like a lot of money when thinking about the grand scheme of these multi-billion dollar government healthcare budgets, but it certainly adds up. That $12 million in losses, well, that could be enough to provide 17,000 MRI scans to patients. So why are government cafeterias losing so much money? Well, that's a great question. And here's what Colin had to say about those cafeteria losses. So a new story about 12 years ago, showed that in Newfoundland, the uh, health authority had looked into the, the issue of why they were running a Tim Hortons. Again, this is the government running a Tim Hortons, and they were losing over $260,000 a year. And what they found was that it was largely due to the fact that they were paying their employees $28 an hour to pour coffee. That was the cost of their salary and their benefits and so forth. So it was a huge, huge cost certainly a lot higher than what you would find in the private sector. And I suspect that's probably one of the key contributors across the country. Yeah, 28 bucks to pay someone to pour coffee? Yeah, there's no wonder that government Tim Hortons wasn't sustainable. Well, I also asked Colin what he thinks government should do to clean up this mess, and here's what he said. So one easy way that governments can uh, address this problem is to basically shut down the cafeterias and restaurants that are losing money. Uh, But it doesn't mean that those spaces need to sit there idle. What the governments can do is simply rent that space out to private restaurants. And a lot of government hospitals are already doing that in Canada. Uh, One great example comes from Winnipeg, where the Victoria General Hospital, they were losing over $100,000 one year uh, on their cafeteria. So they rented out the space to a private restaurant, and they actually started to see Uh, revenue coming in because they were getting rental revenue. And so that's just one thing that governments can do is to just partner with private restaurants. Patients that way still get food. The hospital doesn't have to worry about losing money on, uh, you know, subsidizing people's Snickers bars and sandwiches and soft drinks and that. And more dollars ultimately get spent on helping patients. 
This reminds me of the famous quote from former Alberta Premier Ralph Klein, get government out of the business of business. And speaking of Alberta, Franco, this cafeteria report is super relevant in your neck of the woods because recently there was an illegal strike by some government healthcare employees out in Alberta. Why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, there's some crazy things going on in Alberta right now. Well, we we just heard our, our health minister, Tyler Shandro, he announced a plan to find $600 million in savings. And the plan was a pretty common sense approach, you know, just let local businesses do the laundry, the housekeeping, the catering, along with lab services. And his plan also talked about phasing out management bureaucrats. So very common sense because... Honestly, I mean, taxpayers, we don't need government employees to be the ones doing the laundry and pouring the coffee, especially when the vast majority of laundry services and healthcare are already being done by local businesses in Alberta. Now, when that announcement was made, we heard the union bosses amp up the rhetoric, and then it eventually led to some of the general support workers going to one day strike. But the Labor Relations Board in Alberta ruled the strike to be illegal and ordered the employees back to work. Now, I don't think the many struggling Albertans are going to have much sympathy for union bosses who want to keep milking taxpayers here in Alberta. And here's a direct quote from a Calgary Sun letter to the editor. Quote, everyone else is praying for a job and the frontline medical walk out. End quote. Now, I think that's going to be the sentiment for many struggling Albertans right now. 2020 has been a crazy year on many levels, but stories like this are just they take it to the next level. So we'll include a link to the Second Street Report on government cafeterias in the show notes. And if you also are interested in reading more on the one-day healthcare strike in Alberta, we'll link to Franco's recent Calgary Sun article as well. It's time for our deep dive. This is when we take a closer look at stuff that really matters. James Wood, our investigative reporter, is here with us now. James, what are you doing here? And why aren't you filling out an ATIP request right now? So a bit of an obstacle. The feds have actually shut down access to information offices for the first time since 1983. Okay, were you alive in 1983? I was not. (laughs) Okay, I just had to tease you for a second. I wasn't voting in 1983. I mean, I was only five, but I had to uh, rib you a little bit there. You know, in all seriousness, it seems like a really bad idea for the government to shut down information and access to it. But what exactly does this mean that they've shut down the offices? So access to information laws are vital for accountability. Here's how it works. Any Canadian citizen can fill out an access to information request for any documents held by the government. Now, the process itself is pretty simple. There's either you will print off a form and fill out the form with payment information and your address and where to send the response back to, and you give them $5 in the mail with a check or cash, whatever you want to do. Or you can go online, and there's a portal that's pretty handy from the feds that you can use. Same deal. You put your name in, you put your address in, you put your request in, and you give them five bucks, and off you go. It's in the mail. A response with the documents should come back in about a month or so. That's how it should work. And of course, taxpayers pay for those documents that you're looking for, so they belong to us. There are exceptions. If, For example, if you're locked up, you want a blueprint for the jail to plan your escape, your request is going to get denied. But if you want to see the (laughs) Prime Minister's lunch receipts, you can get those. That's how it goes in theory. But of course, the access to information system can get bogged down in bureaucracy. Right now, we have a much bigger problem. Ottawa is shutting down whole access to information offices because of COVID. Okay, but why have they done that because of COVID? Break that down for us. 
So lots of folks whose job it is to respond to access to information requests in Ottawa, they're actually at home right now. They aren't laid off, they're just at home. They're not working at full capacity, including at the health department. That means Taxpayers Federation and other investigative reporters are not getting the information they're asking for. It means there's a big slowdown in transparency. Now, the investigative reporters at Black Blocks Reporter, they're reporting the Government Operations Committee is actually going to summon the head of the Treasury Board to explain why these folks are still at home but not working at full capacity. I mean, hey, we're working from home right now. We're not having any trouble. No, exactly. Lots of people are working from home and have been for months. So, of course, the government is slowing things up. You know, when you take a look at it, I've been watching what's going on in Ottawa. The opposition and the media have both been trying to get information out of the feds about the response to the COVID-19 pandemic and the supplies that we were supposed to have had ready on hand to use before COVID hit us. It was their entire job to have this stuff there. And a lot of that stuff wound up in the landfill. And now the opposition and the media are both asking questions about the government's response to the pandemic after it hit. But there's a slowdown in the access to that information, so nobody's getting answers. Exactly. And here's Conservative MP Michelle Ripple-Garner asking Health Minister Patty Haidu about the information slowdown. What timeline is the minister proposing to produce these documents? Honorable Minister. of Canadians since the pandemic was first uh, first announced and in fact when the COVID-19 has arrived on our shores and in fact not once has a Canadian asked me to put more resources into freedom of, of information officers. In fact what they've asked me for is for to, to ensure that all the resources of Canada are devoted on one thing Mr. Speaker and that's the health, safety and economic prosperity of our country and Mr. Speaker we're going to continue to make sure that Canada has the most robust response possible. Thank you. Now, that struck a nerve, especially given the Trudeau government's constant stance about the importance of transparency and accountability. It even prompted the Information Commissioner to say something. Last week, Information Commissioner Carolyn Maynard tweeted, quote, The Commissioner is very disappointed by the statement on access by Health Minister Patty Haidu. The Commissioner has sounded the alarm on the need for strong leadership in government and increase in ATIP resources to address significant issues within the system since the onset of the global pandemic. Now, she goes on for four tweets. You should know it's very rare for the information commissioner to speak out and criticize the government. It is super rare, especially for that information commissioner to speak up and say something. And we really need to paint this picture. Transparency and accountability, they're central to an open and fair democracy. If we can't get straight answers from the people who have both legal and financial control over us, it leaves us with a nearly empty toolbox in many ways. It leaves the politicians and the bureaucrats who are both spending our money and making our laws to govern us with very little oversight. It's a major check and balance, and we need access to information. Exactly. ATIP was put in place for citizens to have easier access to crucial information, and from the start, it's been a rough ride. I mentioned before, the Trudeau government has constantly talked about their big emphasis on transparency and accountability and talked about the importance of ATIP, but they never actually followed through on making improvements that people ask for. Anyone who's filed for this kind of information can tell you the system is riddled with problems and slowdowns and barriers. This may be a bit of inside baseball, but if there is one fix I wish could happen right now, it'd be for the feds to find a way for ATIP officers to access documents classified as secret either from home or scheduling a time to go into their office. 
Okay, but if they're classified as secret, though, does that mean like, you know, really secret stuff like missile launch codes? I mean, I don't think most of us need access to that. They're telling you they can't get a hold of those documents. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's not it's not missile codes. It's not like major life and death stuff, but it's kind of just uh, documents or records that are slightly more sensitive than the run-of-the-mill stuff that the feds usually withhold. Example, okay. I recently put in a battery of requests for briefing notes around energy policy and other sets of expenses from COVID-19 spending. And the officer came back to me and told me they wouldn't be able to process them right now because they were sensitive and they couldn't actually get a hold of them. They couldn't go into their office to go and get that stuff sorted because they're working from home. Now you'd think that after months and months of them working at home, their managers would have figured out a way to make this happen. But I'm not surprised after hearing what Haidu had to say. Over global affairs, it was even worse. They completely shuttered their ATIP shop around March when things really went sideways. I had put in a pile of requests around Ottawa's Foreign Service Slush Fund, otherwise known as the Mission Cultural Fund, the one that flies the chefs around, as I'm sure you know. And I didn't hear yes. back from them. Until the middle of September, they managed to get some work done briefly in June. But other than that, they were closed down from the start of COVID in Canada until last month. La okay, that's way too long. That's a crazy delay. Uh, people should know who are listening. Global Affairs actually handled a bunch of the early COVID spending, as well as the emergency travel loan program. So that's why we want to know where that money is going. I'm pretty sure our supporters want to know about that money too. Well, exactly. I know I want to know about it. And again, this is something that could have been resolved <laughs> if the prime minister actually followed up with his pledges for accountability and transparency and put more support into the ATIP system. Now, I do want to say the vast majority of ATIP officers I have worked with to get records have been extremely helpful and kind people. They can't help the people above them actively dislike sharing information, but they do the best they can. And if you're ticked off about the extremely problematic access to information system in Canada, direct your wrath at the politicians who pay lip service to transparency and do absolutely nothing to actually make it happen. Yeah, Patty Haydu definitely got some wrath directed her way after those comments. She has since backpedaled and tweeted out a short message after the information commissioner took her to task, saying that access to information was important and that additional staff had been assigned to handle ATIP requests at Health Canada. Hey, it's a small victory, but we'll take it. The battle continues. It's time for Waste Watch, and that's when we make fun of the dumb things that governments are spending our tax dollars on. James? What do you got for us today? Well, Franco, renovations at Julie Payette's house are actually costing us roughly double what's been previously reported. We thought the renovations at Rideau Hall were costing taxpayers just over 250 grand. Now, that sounds like a lot to begin with, but it turns out the renovations are actually just over $502,000, and Payette still hasn't moved in. I'm sorry, what did you just say? Okay, so we talked about these, these crazy renovations at Rideau Hall before. A few months back, we actually fired off a bunch of access to information requests to see what work Payette was asking to be done at Rideau Hall, her place where she's supposed to live. And it turns out those requests have cost taxpayers almost twice as much as what's previously been put out there. And there's some crazy items we noticed in the receipts. There are renovations for a mission control boardroom and a space exhibit as well. Okay, I got to stop you there. A mission control boardroom? A space exhibit? Does Payette know that she's supposed to be the Queen's representative in Canada and not the Queen's representative on Mars? 
Now, I'm a huge Trekkie. You know, me and my girlfriend, we're talking about what, what dog we should get, what names we should be calling this future dog. And I'm trying to convince her that her future dog name should be Worf. So I get it. But are you seriously telling me that Payette is spending taxpayers' money trying to build the USS Enterprise in her home? Yeah, we're going to need some more details on this. So the space exhibit, it's, it's, it's basically, it looks like a big display of various space plate objects with a lot of Payette's old gear and souvenirs on display. That intergalactic theme, though, it extended to other parts of the official residence with the mission-controlled boardroom listed in our records. Now, all this sounds cool. I'll give them that. But here's how much it's actually costing taxpayers, just under $60,000 for the space exhibit, and $11,500 for the work that included the mission-controlled boardroom. If I really want to spend money looking at rocket ships, I will take my daughter to the science center and not pay its house. Yeah, there it is. That's the issue here. It sounds cool. But this isn't her own money that she's spending. This is taxpayers' dollars that she's spending. And this is probably the worst time to be hearing of a huge bill like that on taxpayers. Now, you said the renovations have cost us more than half a million bucks. So what else are we paying for here? So Payette's office racked up a $139,000 tab for a private staircase that was never actually built. The second most expensive project was listed as a ballroom multimedia feasibility study which cost 108 grand. To be clear, that's just a study with no actual renovation work attached just yet. All right, so who actually is signing off on this stuff? I mean, can Payette just request anything she wants and it gets done? We reached out to the Governor General's office and the National Capital Commission about the work. For those who don't know, the NCC is basically a super-powered parks and rec department for Ottawa, which handles all the official residences and some other stuff in the capital. Essentially, they both pointed the fingers at each other and tried to shirk responsibility. Payette's office blamed the NCC, saying they have final say on all renovation costs at Rideau Hall. The NCC said that anything outside of their official scope is paid for by the Governor General's office and that there's close collaboration between the department and Payette's office. Yeah, sounds like there's definitely a lot of finger pointing going on here. And it sounds like we've got Payette's office and the NCC both trying to play the blame game. But look, at the end of the day, all this money was wasted and taxpayers need someone to be the adult here. The minister is the one who is elected and who's supposed to be looking out for our dollars. And you know what? This is also definitely not the first time that the governor general has taken taxpayers to the cleaners. No, definitely not. Definitely not. And it's, it's important to remember, like this, this work has cost us $500,000 plus and she still hasn't moved into the house where she's supposed to live. And you're right, this is not the first time it's the wasteful spending has been tied back to Julie Payette. A couple episodes back, we discussed the nearly $650,000 for her over-budget swearing-in ceremony. Payette wasted our tax dollars on the first day of the job. She also has reportedly racked up nearly $700,000 in extra costs for the RCMP due to her, quote, secrecy and resistance to working with her detail. Yeah, I don't think I need to point out the obvious here, but taxpayers are struggling. We need this wasteful spending to stop, and someone has to be the adult, and that means the minister will need to have a bit of a chit-chat with the NCC and Payette and put an end to all this shenanigans. Now, there's a lot of moving parts in this story, so we're going to include the full story in the show notes so you can read more. All right, that's the show. Thanks, everyone out there for listening, and a huge thank you to our investigative journalist and our podcast editor, James Wood, for making it sound like we uh, actually know what we're talking about. Please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast and share on social media. Talk to you next week.
I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening, and thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.